0: Building trust. When can we trust? Will we ever be trusted again? If someone you love has an addiction, chances are one of the first things that was damaged in your relationship was trust. If you are someone who has an addiction, you know trust is a fragile thing when trying to manage your recovery. Trust is a frequent conversation and yet we do not do a great job of building it. What if there was a way to work towards building trust that works for the loved ones and individuals without constantly going back and forth between, I trust you and I can't trust you? I'm your host, Andrew J. Schreier, and this podcast is a follow-up to the book I wrote called Addiction and Recovery. I am an independent clinical supervisor, clinical substance abuse counselor, and licensed professional counselor in the state of Wisconsin. In this profession, the opportunity to learn and become educated is never short and the ongoing venture of gaining wisdom to help others is definitely a passion I possess. This is where I get to share that information with you and invite guests to share their experience and work. In this podcast, we discuss issues related to addiction, recovery, mental health, counseling, treatment, and several other areas. We discuss alcohol, drugs, gambling, gaming, pornography, and other behaviors that impacts the lives of people I work with, the individuals in their lives, and the community as well. Listen as we talk about these issues because when we don't talk about them and the silence grows, the worse it becomes. Talking about them continues to bring them into the light, which is our best way of addressing these issues and ultimately helping those who are impacted. You can find the podcast on social media with Instagram at talking addiction and recovery and Facebook page with Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast. You can send emails to ask questions, provide feedback, or inquire about being a guest at Recovery at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, and with every episode you listen to, I hope you walk away learning something. Trust. who Loaded word, yet uh, important. Something that's talked about so much with, you know, addiction and recovery it's strong yet very fragile it's requires vulnerability yet often is met with a lot of defensiveness when someone has an addiction trust is like the first thing thrown out the window you know long before you might lose respect or your patience in some cases even love for someone trust is usually the first to go. If this was the ex throwing out all your shit out of the house, trust would be the first thing picked up and launched across the yard. And as a family member or loved one, you probably did your best to contend with the the lies, the the behaviors, loss of property, theft, uh, and even endless broken promises. And Been left at times only with a constant sense of doubt about what your loved one says and does, and can I even trust what they say or what they do? And family members and loved ones are taught by repeated abuse of the trust to simply not trust. And now all of a sudden, they become detectives. They're looking for whether this is the truth or a lie, looking for whether or not they can give trust or do they still have to withhold it. And doubt, doubt begins to linger in regards to the individual, other family members, other relationships, and even themselves, you know, questioning how could I not see this or is this my fault? So trust gets impacted not just with the individual who has the, you know, substance use behavior, gambling, pornography, or any of those type of issues. It can also suddenly become about the other person is struggling to trust other people. They even don't trust themselves anymore. We expect to be able to trust the people we love. And it goes without saying that in most relationships when trust is absent, it's difficult to keep moving the the relationship forward and progressing. And I, I see that a lot in relationships when doing counseling work. It could be in relation to substance use, gambling, and other addictions. I've seen it in marriages. I've seen it when it comes to families. But if you have loved someone with an addiction and understand anything about the addiction they have, you will know that not only is losing trust something that's more than likely going to happen, but it almost becomes a necessity. And when I talk with individuals in treatment or they're coming to counseling, family members and loved ones don't want to lose trust and never trust again. It's not enjoyable. It's not fun. It's not something that they look forward to, that they're hoping for. They're not wanting a relationship where I can't trust this person. Family members often are put in a position where they need to establish boundaries and losing trust almost becomes what helps them draw those lines in the sand with things that they will do or things that they will not do. And it becomes necessary to sort of protect them and maintain some form of stability. This isn't to say we need this tough love approach. But when you look at it, someone continue to just give them trust and don't do anything about that. Like, what what could happen? I was just listening to an interesting episode of Ear Hustle. It's a podcast. And... It was called the Do It move episode, and it talks about the ups and downs of making bail. In it, they talked to a guy about his mom who put up his bail money, and even a story about someone else's grandmother putting up their house. And the one individual talked about their plan for getting out to keep doing what they were doing, regardless of the fact that their family member put up this money to get them out of being incarcerated. And the host is almost shocked that the person was very straight up and saying that they were just going to go right back to what they were doing. Now, did these people who posted their bail trust them? Maybe. Maybe they had best intentions. Maybe they didn't want to see their loved one in jail. But it just highlights a little bit of what happens if people just continuously open up trust and don't look at things like establishing boundaries or having limits. And this is not to suggest that it just feels at all good or right. It's a struggle for a lot of individuals when it comes to trusting. Now, for the the person who is sober and maybe working a recovery program, maybe they're going to counseling, maybe they're going to therapy, maybe they're making efforts, they're reducing certain things. From their standpoint, There is a thought or hope that because I'm doing this, I'm not behind bars, I'm not getting into trouble, I'm making improvements, like isn't that enough? Doesn't that earn trust back? Isn't what I'm doing enough to get even just a little bit of trust? Individuals also struggle with telling the truth, even when doing things that are positive, like making change. Family members, loved ones, criminal justice, judges, and even therapists talk about, you know, just be honest, just tell the truth. In fact, I do a training on lying and counseling and therapy to dive into really why lying is so common and frequent, because it's not always easy when it comes to just telling the truth and not just the person telling the truth, but for people to hear the truth. Not everyone is prepared for that. Do you want to hear that your loved one recently had a trigger or craving? Do you want to hear that they ran to someone they used to use alcohol or drugs with? Do you want to know that they had a thought about putting a bet, just a little one, like on the Super Bowl recently? Even though they didn't, is that something you want to hear that they experienced? There is also the uncertainty of not knowing when family members will trust them how much they will trust them and how long it will take to regain trust. So for the individual who is in recovery or is going to counseling, going to, to treatment, there's a lot of uncertainty regarding trust. And trust takes a lot longer to build than it does to destroy. Trust can be broken with a, a single action. And, and it takes many honest and reliable actions to be followed through before trust can really begin to take seed and even grow. So even when that happens, something can easily come by and just like chop that plant right in half and now it's time to pull out the rest of it and here we go, we got to start over again. And that trusting experience I think captures that a lot where I gave them my trust, it's lost. I gave them my trust, it's lost. The The time it takes to trust someone will vary depending on each situation and that's such a common question to get from family members and loved ones is how long will it take how long till i can trust them again and there is no magic formula for that there is no equation for you to add in their substance use history their current use current sobriety time of using efforts in recovery all that and hit a button and calculate it and boom this is how long it will take one of the main problems with trust is it often gets put on a pendulum swing from no trust at all to entirely trusting. To I don't trust you at all to here's all my trust. I can't trust them one bit. Here's all my trust. I gave them all of it and now they lost it. They do not have any trust and now they got to earn it all back. Too much all or nothing going on here. And we need to create a way for it to become more stabilized and be able to withstand the time it takes to develop trust again. So this is where I'm introducing really the whole focus of this episode is this is a tool I've used for a long time. And I'm, I'm talking about way back. This was developed when I started working with adolescents and their, their parents years and years ago when I worked in a group home. And I used it then when working with you know, youth and their parents uh, started doing it then when it came to working with adults. And there's a variety of issues now that I use it with. So not just addiction recovery, but when it comes to marriages, families, you know, children with other issues with, you know, that lose trust. So this is the trust scale. And it's one of the tools that if I were to, to give, like, families... Uh, relationships, you know, anyone to incorporate with other people in their lives, this is one of them. And the trust scale really starts out with on a scale of zero to 10, how much trust is there in the relationship? Zero being none at all and 10 being entirely. Now, a great way to do this is for all individuals involved to write down the number And then share that with one another. So if it's between family members, like parents and a son who has a problem with drugs or alcohol, each parent should write down the number they have for trusting their son. And the son should write down what number he believes his parents trust him. And then share with one another. More than likely, those numbers won't match. And that's okay. Why? Because it gets everyone on the same page. Do you think when you discuss issues related to trust that everyone is on the same page with where it is? They don't trust me at all. We trust them a little. I think they trust me. I'm not too sure. Often people are operating under different beliefs of where the trust is. This helps to get everyone on the same page. It can definitely also help when several individuals are involved. Maybe mom and dad aren't on the same page with where they are at with trust either. Maybe mom trusts a little bit more. Maybe dad trusts a little bit less. Because of that, how they are treating their son or how they are allowing privileges or how they are dealing with some of the issues are going to be different. So mom might think it's a four, maybe dad thinks it's a two, and the son might think it's a five. And that's pretty common. Sometimes the people who want trust think it's a lot further than it, it really is. So from there, you get this discussion going with where we are, for the sake of what I the example scenario I'm giving. Let's say the family identifies it at a three. So overall we're at a three. Great. Now we have a starting point. Now Everyone knows that this is where we are, as opposed to mom thinking she's at a four, dad thinks it's a two, and the son thinks it's a five. Really, where we are with trust in this relationship is three, and we're all aware of that. Now, the next question is, where do you want to go? And an initial like reaction to it is, well, I want to gain all the trust, or I want it all back. And that's falling back right back into the all-or-nothing. And of course someone wants all that trust back, but that's not something that's going to be earned so quickly. So to avoid and break the pattern of all-or-nothing thinking, we want to look at some progress, some direction towards positive change. So if the family's at a three, we can ask, how do we get to a four? Or if trust is really difficult to come by, we can look at how do we get it to a 3.5? How do we get it even to a 3.1? So how do you get there? This is such an important part of the exercise because sometimes people do things they believe will help earn trust. Or people have in their mind what someone else needs to do in order to earn trust back, but it's never shared. I've had people do things and be like, well, I've done this and that, and there's still no trust. And the other person's response is, well, those are great, but it's not what I wanted to see in relation to trust. So it's important for people to get on the same page, not only with where the trust is, where are we going, but also what do we have to do to get there? So if we're looking to get from a 3 to a 3.5, what are those things that, that needs to happen for us to get to that level of trust? And making sure everyone is on the same page with that. Now here is a big kicker with this exercise. Let's say we identify where we are. Look at where we want to go. Establish what we want to see in order to get there. And everyone follows through. In this example, we get to a four. Okay, this is big. What does a relationship or relationships look like now that we're at a four? If trust is building and the people involved have followed through and we say we are now at a 4 the relationship should look different. The relationship should look different when it is a 3 in comparison to when it was a 4. For example, if it's with parents and a teenager, it might mean privileges are earned. If it's between a wife and a husband, it might look like less checking the other's cell phones or emails or something of the sort. Whatever the case may be, if trust is building, the relationship should look different. This is I can't emphasize enough how important this is because it protects trust from becoming a carrot on a stick. Too often I've seen trust be used to like gain control only to not see any changes in the relationship occur. It continuously gets strung along regardless of what the individual has been doing in order to build trust. If you use trust as a carrot on a stick, it's going to cause problems. Resentment can grow. The individual can lose hope that it's going to be able to achieve it. It might look like the individual offering trust is being manipulative. And now trust is going to start to go in the opposite direction. So you want to look at, now that we are at this point we should see that the relationship is different that there is progress to be made now from from there you can use this exercise like regularly you know when someone wants to inquire about trust when something happens where trust is lost let's say the teenager comes home from curfew 30 minutes late Maybe in the past, this was behavior that was associated with alcohol and drug use. They come home 30 minutes late. The old way would be like no trust at all. Let's say there's no signs of alcohol or or drug use at all, but they were late. Maybe the trust was recently at a four and now it kind of went down from a 3.5. You know, there's no, we lose trust entirely, but there's something happened that kind of Rattles our trust. Well, so now we're at a 3.5. Where do we want to get back to? We want to get back to where we were at a four. How do we want to get there? Well, when we, what happened that lost the trust? Focus on those specific things and for improvements or actions to be taken to address what happened with the loss of trust. And then when you get back to it and you get back to that level, you'll know what it would look like now. I mean, let's let's even say there's a relapse, you know, like where's where's the trust now? Um, this is usually an automatic none, but when you look at it, maybe they stopped right away, maybe they did get into treatment or they went to a support maybe, meeting, maybe they took action steps to recover from it. Don't you think some of those considerations might make a difference in the level of trust in comparison to someone who may have relapsed and they are just using constantly again, but someone who may have done something to stop or reduce, uh, reach out for help. Maybe they acknowledged it to you. Maybe they came to you and told you what happened. Might that be different than someone who lied about it? So, once again, it breaks that old pattern of like that all the trust or none of it. When something happens, you can measure where the trust is and keep doing that process. Only now, you actually have more information to gain back the trust. If they did X, this behavior, such as curfew or relapse... What do they have to do in order to earn that trust back? There can be more specific things identified in order to earn that trust back. I'll tell you, there are two things that can really derail this trust building process. Sort of like when the construction crew all of a sudden stops showing up and Half the kitchens only done and you don't know when they're coming back, they're not answering, just what what happened here? The first thing is not communicating this. This entire tool requires communication, vulnerability, openness, working together. If you are doing if you aren't doing any of that, it's not gonna just build itself. So that's like that old idea of well, we'll just let time build that trust. And that's that's not gonna work. The second thing is, it's very clear that no matter what someone does, that another individual might just not be willing or ready to trust again or anymore. And these are moments where I, I really think like some breaking points have, have been reached with the individual. Whether it's a a spouse, a significant other, family members, but... Even when someone is maintaining abstinence or they're working on addressing issues, they're participating in counseling or they're going to treatment, the other person still can't come to grips with risking that vulnerability to trust again. And it becomes entirely closed off. And unfortunately, those are times when I've seen relationships really damaged. And then we're talking about Some more difficult conversations tend to happen because once again, if someone's doing those things and we're saying trust is building based on the trust increasing, we should see relationship dynamics change as well. It shouldn't look the same when you're at a trust level of a seven than when you were at a two. And that, to me, shows that there's just something going on that the individual who is trying to give trust is having a really difficult time, regardless of what they do. And it might stem back from the the just the core, the original behavior issue. Um, any of those things can can be a part of that. But those are the things that really impacting the ability to work on this this exercise but if those factors aren't contributing it's actually one of the the best tools i've ever been able to to give individuals loved ones family members it has been instrumental in helping build trust back and developing a system that supports everyone involved gets everyone on the same page identifies a direction of where we want to go it outlines how we get there and builds a vision for what it would look like for the relationship to get to that point. So try it out. Let me know how it works. Let me know if it's it's different in comparison to other tools you've used to build trust. I love hearing feedback on this exercise. I've shared this in counseling sessions with individuals. I've introduced this in workshops, and I've worked through This entire process even with people in sessions having them actually go through all the steps I just talked about in here and now I get to use this platform to share it so if you or someone you know or people you know are experiencing issues with trust and it seems to be a major issue happening in the relationships share this episode with them and I hope you take this tool and are able to learn from it.